Welcome one and all to this special Q&A edition of the Winest Shuffle on this pod. The hot topics, the hot potatoes, the questions, the answers, the stadium, the signings, the finances, the future. We've got Section 94, we've got Supporters Trust and we've got Scott Gardner. Buckle up and shuffle. In, Charleston, Swift and Bullock, Culloden, down the long wind, in the rain, feeling metal, Greg Welcome everyone, I'm your host David Dimbleby and joining me on this question time panel is the Right Honourable Andrew Young, hello. Hello. The Dishonourable Stevie Riley, alright? Hello. The Trustable Jennifer Aitchison from the Supporters Trust, good evening. Good evening. Uh, the sectionable Dan Smith from Section 94. How are you doing, Dan? Evening, guys. I'm all right, mate. I'm all right. And the definitely sectionable for putting himself in the firing line, ICT CEO Scott Gardner. Scott, are you looking forward to the next four hours? Not as much as I was looking forward to Robert Plant, but yes, I am. Yes. So you're going, you were, you were going to be going to see him tonight, but this is, this is higher on your agenda. That's right. Yes, yes. My, my, my lifetime hero, um, you know, who I've been looking forward to seeing for three years, but the Winus Shuffle podcast in Section 94 and Jane obviously comes first. Yeah, yeah. And a better listening experience also. Uh, but before we begin, so what's what's been occupying your, your time today or, or this week? What's what's item number one in your own agenda at the moment? Um, probably, well, today or the last few weeks, I may have heard this mention it on... Uh, uh, the BBC, but uh, we've been trying to get a power uh, utilities deal for the club, which has which has been one of the most stressful things. Uh, uh, everyone's going through it. We're no different from any other business. We're no different from any individual. Um, but we were going from fourteen p a unit to uh, sixty three pence a unit. Um, so you imagine just the multiples. Uh, so we're now into uh, six figures for our electricity for the next uh, for the duration of this contract, which is a, which is as short as I could sign it because all our advice, and we've been speaking to multiple brokers and multiple people all over the country, uh, from Inverness down to Burnley and all places in between. If anyone was around the ground, we get the floodlights went off about as rapidly as we could switch them off at the end of the game. Um, because it's absolutely extortionate and it is going to be extremely painful for us. So will, so, you, be, will you be looking at, like some teams have looked at, will you be looking at earlier kickoffs? So can't, least, can't, can't no? do it in Inverness, no, can't do it. No, it's too, because of our geography, we can't do it. Um, I was speaking to Keith Haggart uh, the other day about, because uh, Keith still works for us as a consultant, um, and Keith was... Uh, Tell me, they had a, they had an early kickoff against Clark on Saturday, um, and the referee turned up and said to them, "Put the lights on in the warm up." So they had to put their floodlights on in the warm up. So it didn't make any difference. Didn't save a pound. Um, so that puts real pressure on the business. I know that's boring to explain to you, but it puts real bit pressure on us as a football club. Well, it gives a little um, bit of context before before we kick off. Just a, a, a question that's directly related to that. Does that suggest then for a club like Inverness? 
any club like Inverness in the Championship and below, if someone comes in for a bid for a player, that player's gone. Well, it depends on the sport of your board. Um, if, because if the board are willing to, uh, or your owner, depending on what type of club you are, if the board are willing to uh, support you, uh, then you might not have to. But it puts an enormous amount of pressure. So, um, because well, it just puts an enormous amount of pressure on you um, because it's a huge amount of money. And, it's, and that's right off the top. You know, it takes us... A long time to 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 earn anything like that. As you've seen from the last few years, it's unless you sell a player, you can't earn that. That's not to say that's what we want to do. You're asking a question, and it depends. We we want to win the league. We want to win the league. And we want to go to the Premier League. You know that's why we turned down bids, all the bids we had for OBDs last year, because we want to win the league. So it's not our intention to do that at all. But it's a fair point to ask the question because it puts a hell of a lot of pressure on you as a football club. Okay. Um, so what has happened is everybody here um, has reached out to their respective groups, their friends, their fans online. We've compiled an exhaustive A to Z of the big ICT issues, everything from matches to mascots and signings to Simon Le Bon. So well, a lot to a lot to get through. Just look on me, really, as I mean, I've had my say. Look, look at me as a facilitator somewhere between uh, Jeremy Vine and Alan Partridge, R Richard Maidley, someone like that maybe. Uh, so let, let's begin. Let's kick off with the stadium, okay? Um, I've handily gone through all the multitude of questions and I've compiled them per topic. So let's kick off with the promised land itself. The East Longman, Caledonian Stadium, resplendent on the backs of the Murray Firth. Dolphins leaping like Ross Toakley and HGV drivers honking like Roman Golobar. Let's let's kick off with a uh, match day experience. Stevie, I think you've got one about that. Yeah, Scott, um, a few people have asked questions. So I've collated them into one big one. So I'll break into parts. And firstly, thanks for everyone for for sending the question, but it's around, firstly, using, and I think I've spoke to you before, using our friends and neighbours in the stadium. So some guys have asked about using local bakeries in the serveries. I, I, I'm not saying names, but Harry Gow's, anything like that. Would, there, would that be an option that we could look to work your neighbours on that one? Uh, we, we have looked at that. We've looked at it with a number of different, I won't go into names because it's not mm -hmm. fair, but we have looked at that and um, we haven't had anyone uh, showing any interest who wanted to do it. Okay. Um, what about a local brewery, either having the beers in the stadium or having an ICT beer as a, as an option for the for the bars and also for hospitality suites? Oh, I think down the line that would be something we would be interested in. I've done it at other clubs. Um, at the moment, we don't have the volume. So the sports bar does not work. Um, the sports bar doesn't work for a number of reasons. Um, one is our location. <laughs> So you got to get a taxi out there. There's no buses uh, prior to that. Um, the bus that comes up from the town from the social club is, is obviously designed to arrive at the last possible minute, so the guys can uh, can have as many drinks as they uh, as they can in the social club. So when they arrive at us, it's last orders, even if they arrive at that time. Um, so the sports bar um, absolutely does not work on a match day. And uh, it will only work if there's an away, a decent away support because the away support will go in. Our home support does not utilise uh, the sports bar. Uh, and you've, you've got to be able to be fair and honest with suppliers and say, you know, the, give us a good deal because we're going to have this volume. It would be a gimmick just to have a, lo a local brewery there 
Um, for a start, you can only have cans or bottles because there is no, you, you couldn't use the pipes enough, you know. Um, with regards to our hospitality, we took a decision this year. I've seen some real uh, ill-informed stuff online about the hospitality. We took a decision. The championship, and, and, I, and I mentioned this before, the away support has dropped off a cliff uh, in the championship for us particularly. Uh, I think the dodgy... Uh, Sticks have made a huge difference to that. I think the cost of getting up to us with petrol uh, at the beginning of the season, you know, was really spiking. Uh, and trains, um, if if they are running, um, are blooming expensive. And if you can just sit in the house or sit in your mates and watch the game for nothing, uh, if you're in Ayr or Greenock or Hamilton or uh, or whatever, um, you're you're more likely to do that. One of the teams we had recently, 13 fans paid to get in. Um, 13. And not all of them paid the full price. That's impossible for us. That is that is very, very challenging for us. If you're a local business, you would be inviting your suppliers uh, to go along to, you know, who are who are maybe uh, Celtic or Rangers fans or Hearts or Hibs or Dundee United or uh, Aberdeen. In the Championship, you're doing business in Inverness. You don't know many... Air United fans, and you don't know many uh, others. So we have a situation where, um, for for hospitality, in, a, in order for it to make money, is the purpose of hospitality is to make money for a football club. Um, we can't make money on the small numbers <laughs> that we have wanting to come along. Um, uh, we could charge forty quid, um, and we would lose money. Uh, so rather than be busy fools, because we clearly see that in the championship, in the current uh, economic climate, uh, there is no desire for people to come along. We're not going to charge a, a number that costs us money. So if you think it's 20 quid for a seat, a ticket for our game, 18 quid in advance, but if it's 18 quid for a seat, um, I don't know what people think a three-course meal costs plus staff, uh, plus stewarding, plus lighting, heating, uh, everything else, you're going to lose money. Um, and we have to, we use a brilliant external caterer, Red Poppy. They're absolutely excellent. They're super flexible with us. And uh, price wise, quality wise, I, 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 they would match up to anybody. But they've got to make money. We've got to make money. But you've got to have volume. Um, so we we took a decision, which was which was a cold hard decision, to say we're only going to select a few games this season, and we're going to have hospitality at them, and we'll sell them out. I think in the Premier League it's a different answer, Stevie. Okay. I think than it is in the Championship, and I think that's the truth of it. All right, a couple of quick ones just in, before I finish this point. Uh, people have asked a click and collect service for food. Now I know there's some back end infrastructure would have to get into the back of that, but is that a is that a plan that you can see happening in the future? I've been speaking to the company that does that for, uh, or one of the companies that does that for over a year and a half. Um, I've worked with them in the past. Um, I know it works elsewhere. Uh, uh, for volume, again, for us, it's just a challenge in the championship. But we're um, we're trying to find a club that's similar size to us to get some sort of, what I don't want to do is start something and then stop it again. If you start something saying, isn't this a great idea, and then it doesn't work, and you stop it, um, you just invite uh, 
criticism. So because our, we're operating our kiosks ourselves, uh, because there is no demand, there is no one who's looking to take on our business. We said, I think I said this at the last update, I said we were looking to see if people wanted to take it on um, as a business. Um, but uh, because of the lack of staff up here, um, that's been a challenge for lots of different businesses. So um, I, I think in the premiership, we would do it. In the championship, no, we wouldn't do it. And then lastly, for me at this point, the car park, could there be, I have spoke to you about this before, but like, you know, a, a tailgate as we call it in American football, but could you use that area for a sort of Christmas market setup with local breweries or your own bars to get fans down there and congregate before the game? We can't do it with bars because we're breaking the law in Scotland to walk up because it, because if it was, unless it was enclosed. So I think St Mirren did it. St Mirren did a test event, um, but it was in an enclosed area. So you, it had to be, they were within that, uh, with like that dome thing they have, you know, the, yeah, the football bit, yeah. Yeah, so it's got to be in an enclosed area. Um, we've looked at it, we used it, uh, we did it as a test event ourselves at the rugby. So we used the gym, we cleared equipment out of there, uh, the, the hangar, uh, the, and we used that. And it worked, it worked really, really well. The difference obviously being with the rugby, I don't know if any of you were there, but you were then able to just walk straight into the gates, straight on your seat, sit with four beers. And we had photographs and we obviously got a license and we did that as a test case to show how that could work. Um, it's absolutely doable. We have good partners. Uh, Gavin, for instance, from uh, Gellens and uh, Highlander in town, uh, he did it that night, and it worked. It was it was a real treat. Just did cans, um, really quick service, really good. Championship um, over the winter, no. Um, it might be something that we look to do in the spring. Um, but not not over the winter. Uh, but we did that and took photographs, did all the things, worked with the same licensing people we'd be working with. Obviously, the different thing is we're still working on a rule that was set in 1980 after the riot at Hamden, mm. and the rugby guys were sworn in a bit with Pino Grigio and Guinness. Jen, Jen, do you want to jump in for the Supporters Trust in any of those comments there? What, what, is there anything that jumps out, anything you want to you comment on, or, or do you want to move on to some of your points? The one thing I would say was around about the bar. Well, we had some feedback around um, the fact that there was no spirits in the bar for the, the past few weeks for home games. So that's been fed back, but they've, they've said that that'll be rectified for the next... There, there's certainly been spirits needed the past three or four games, hasn't there? Absolutely. <laughs> without a doubt. <laughs> but they have said they'll uh, address that, hopefully, for the next home game. Jen, I'll, ch I'll check that as well. Um, great. To make, to make sure. Apologies for that. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know that. Um, okay, so first question I've got for you is there was an article recently in the Courier around a battery company. So this was around an energy storage plan that's going in behind the carting. Um, just wanted to get your feedback on that and what the long term aim was, because the company's obviously called the ICT Battery Storage and registered at the stadium. Yes. So um, uh, as far as Cali Thistle is concerned, right, it's very, it's very challenging. Uh, particularly in the championship, particularly with our crowds. We've got, all got to be honest here. It's very challenging for us to run a full-time football club, a full-time academy, uh, and not lose lots of money. Uh, and it's even more challenging if you don't have a very wealthy owner uh, or owners um, to back you up. So we have to look at external things 
to say what can we do to generate uh, the revenue that will allow us to stabilise the football club and then build a bright future for the football club, which um, I believe uh, we can have if, if we get these things right. So you will have seen three years ago that we had Intelligent Land Investment uh, we became our new partner. And Intelligent Land Investment, were, were, I had a meeting with them, I think just over three years ago, to uh, look at, they, were, they, had, they had had a planning application turned down for the hydro pump storage uh, uh, above Foyer's uh, way, so, which is the Red John project, known as the Red John. They then submitted a new planning application uh, into Highland Council and the hydro pump storage is a thing which, which uh, uh, and the one at Foyers uh, or Foyers Doors Road uh, is going to make at a stroke the day it opens it will make it, uh, effectively will will make the entire Highland region, Highlands and Islands region. Um, so whatever that is, eleven thousand square miles, carbon neutral. The power has to be stored somewhere, and what what there is a huge lack of uh, is uh, things called battery farms. And a battery farm is somewhere that stores that energy from one of those renewable elements uh, of power generation. Uh, intelligent land investments were awarded after a public inquiry, uh, were awarded planning permission for the £700 million project. The main planning condition was that they had to have a park and ride uh, for up to 300, maybe uh, during the peak times, 350 cars or else they would not be given planning permission, okay? And we were named in that planning application as the uh, our part of our North Car Park, not all of it, part of our North Car Park uh, and around the back of the West Stand uh, would be the, the park and ride for the Red John uh, project. So the, the build, um, of that project, that £700 million project, which is going to bring in, you know, obviously thousands of jobs uh, into the area, uh, will last between six and eight years, is the, is the schedule, between six and eight years, not six to eight, but six and eight years. So they require a park a park and ride uh, for that period of time. Um, the reason that's so critical is because that's going to remove 95% of the traffic off of the the road through doors and out to the to the build, so that's obviously us doing a very good thing, as well as benefiting from it. But what that what that led to was multiple discussions with Intelligent Land Investment Group, um, just to uh, talking about renewables and talking about the requirement for Scotland, uh, and and talking about the opportunities, and uh, Battery Farm came up as as a. Is one of the things that there are just not enough of. Uh, we saw that as, as a, a brilliant uh, way of uh, doing a good thing because we would be contributing towards um, the self-sufficiency of the nation uh, power-wise, but we would also uh, be able to generate uh, revenue from that. That allows us then to stabilise the club, um, build the club um, and improve 
all facets of the of the football club and, and all facets of of our, of our community um, around us. So that that's what it is. But it's all been it's all been in the open because obviously we're listed as it. And uh, but until it got to the next phase, there wasn't really much point in us saying anything about it. Okay, we talk about improving um, all aspects of the football club. Dan, Danny, you still there? Certainly am, mate. What's your question? What's your What's the number one question? I think I know what it is. I think everyone knows what it is. Unsurprisingly, when I put out a call for questions, the number one thing that came back is the promise of the roof over there or the prospective roof over the West Stand. Um, I'll let Scott obviously take the lead on this, but we have had a couple of discussions with him. I think he's the best man to talk about it. Uh, but Scott, uh, is there any progress then with the roof of the West Stand and uh, funding for said roof? Yeah, so um, it wasn't a promise exactly, right? It wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't a promise that we were going to do that. It was our plan to do that. So what we've done now is we have made some progress. Um, we've made a fair bit of progress. Um, I will I will leave the company name out of it. The, um, but we have been speaking to uh, John Robertson in particular, um, has been in speaking to meetings with, negotiating with uh, a fabricator. So a company that builds uh, all sorts of different steel structures. Um, we looked at some temporary things back last season. They weren't they weren't feasible uh, or plausible, really. We thought they might be, but they weren't. Uh, they would have been quick fixes, but they would have been pretty crap, I think. So what we did was uh, John was tasked with this. He's worked on different projects uh, at Hearts that involved uh, that involved uh, building uh, things, and uh, so John went out, spoke to a number of different people, and the long story short is we now have um, a proposal from a fabricator. Um, they are uh, currently working. Uh, building stands at Spartans. So we have uh, 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 drawings uh, that, that were based on the uh, what they've done previously down the road in and, in and around Edinburgh. And um, we have a, a, a cost that we would want to put to the supporters uh, as a target because we don't, um, as I say, we don't, as everyone knows, we're not swimming in uh, cash far from it. We're the exact opposite. Um, so we have a target um, of about twenty thousand uh, pounds that would build a roof, build the build the stand there, proper steel, not with vinyl above it, not with a proper stand cover. So it would look as if it was all built at the same time. Okay, um, and. What we what we want to do is have that as a project where we can we can then support, give our venue, do all come up with ideas, so that the supporters could uh, help us raise that money, um, and it would be around about a six week build to do that to build that stand, or that you know cover. Um, we require. In order to try and get the cost down additionally, we it would be really helpful if we could uh, hook up with a civil engineer who's Cali Thistle-minded that could help us uh, up here. If anyone knows of anyone, it would be greatly appreciated. We could do something for them to, to say thank you to them. Anyone that can do anything for this. 
So we were looking to have in the coming weeks a sort of open evening to say, this is what it is. This is what it kind of looked like. And here are some of the things that we could do uh, to try and, uh, and which which would be fundraisers just specifically for that uh, structure. Um, so, uh, for instance, uh, you know, there was there was academy, the academy did a sports night, you know, obviously didn't charge them. They raised like four grand in a night. Um, at that, did various different things, little raffles and auction, and they did that. Um, I would look to, I would look for us to maybe say, right, we're going to, we're going to have, you could pay to play on the pitch uh, against, you know, an all-star team, and then all the money goes to that, and all the money at the bar goes to the, so come up with different ideas. But our bottom line is, is that we now have, pardon the pun, something concrete. We have a, we have a fabricator who is currently doing it uh, around the country. Uh, we have agreed with uh, what what would be a kind of contribution. Uh, we would also be doing other things with them. So I would be giving them, why it's that number, I would be giving them X amount of advertising so that I could get to get that taken off their, off their total bill. I would be giving them, you know, uh, signage at different places. I would be giving them uh, boardroom experiences at different things. Um, and I'd be using my contacts, my own personal contacts, John Robertson's contacts, to give them other experiences that we could get for them down in Edinburgh or in Glasgow. So we would use that to reduce the numbers to make it viable for them to do. But we would still need to get to between fifteen and twenty grand in order to get. You know, you've got steel, you've got men to do it, you've got uh, that all that costs. But I, I am. Very pleasantly surprised because some of the quotes John was getting, and obviously he's been working on the community hub, so he's working he's working with different people that do different structures and all different things at the Royal Academy. I'm really I am very pleasantly surprised that we're at this number because I think this number is achievable if we all work together to get it. Is there a, a thought process that's going to go right to the end? Uh, not in the that? first phase. Not in the first phase. So the first phase would be down to where we currently have to current cover the seats. So you see there's canvas over the seats um, at, at the bottom there. It would go down to the, so, so it would cover all of what section 94 normally is. And the plan would be phase two, um, which again, for the similar number, we could finish that. But with promotion and other things, you know, with other, other, the other projects we're working on, the potential that we could, the, the club could finish that part but the first part, we, we can't afford it, but it's all for the support. It's all for that section over there. And I think it would make a hell of a difference to the guys. I think it'd make a hell of a difference to the atmosphere. Dan, are you, are you, are you happy with that response? And, and how have you found uh, how have you found the atmosphere down there in the West Stand? Are you, are you, obviously, you, you get big attendances and lower attendances, but you, on, on the whole, generally seeing a, a, a growth in your, in your group. I had a number in my head. Uh, with no experience whatsoever that I thought was going to be uh, and the numbers that we're talking about now are significantly less with that, than, than that number I had so I'm delighted with that first and foremost I always knew it was going to have to have to be something that the club would pass over to the fans to fundraise for because obviously we don't want to be taking money out of the club's operating costs or the playing budget god forbid to put in a roof over an area we use so the response from the club has been brilliant the 
hours of work that John's put in to get this for us has been great. Um, discussions are ongoing uh, about fundraising. And <coughs> as Scott said, you know, things will come out um, in, the, in the near future about that. But at the moment from where we are, we're delighted. Um, it's, it's something that we wanted to do as soon as we spoke about this section was to get a cover over it. Because to be very obvious, it's going to stop us getting wet, which is very unpleasant. It's going to stop us having to move away into the North Stand. It's going to stop people thinking, I may not go today, I'm going to get wet in that West Stand. So we're delighted to get anything over that. And the fact it's going to be a pretty permanent structure sounds brilliant. The In regards to the growth of the group, it's been, it's stalled lately. Um, I think it's just, to be honest, the time of year, maybe the form of the team, but not necessarily. The time of year is probably the biggest factor. Um, but you saw what it was like for Park Thistle, you saw what it's been like for some games this season and what it was like for the playoff games. We're delighted with how it's gone, especially considering the strained relationship certain members had of previous groups with previous incarnations of the board. Uh, going back to when we first started doing things about 2015, it was never easy. And it's, it's a lot better now. The relationship with the club's a lot better, which obviously benefits everybody. Um, we've got plans moving forward, how to grow the section, uh, how to make it look a bit better and how to keep the atmosphere because sometimes it can wane, which we're aware of. Mm. But for the for the the most part we're very happy with it. It's probably the best I'd I'd say it's probably the best kind of supporters, dedicated support section that we've had since yeah. the club has been in existence. Do do you see you obviously you guys have got a good relationship with Scott and 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 with Robbo and and with the chairman. When you see sometimes them getting a bit of a slagging on online, d- does that sort of does that resonate with you? Do you sort of think, you know, come on, you're barking up the wrong tree. These guys are doing a good job, or um, how do you feel about that? Because obviously, you guys do have such a good relationship with the board. Uh, aye, in many ways, yeah. Um, but you only know what you think you know, and whoever's looking at this on Twitter, looking at things that are happening, they don't necessarily full sto- know the full story. It's a knee-jerk reaction. It's also not our place to come out and say whether an opinion is right or wrong because we're trying to represent all the fans without getting into any sort of arguments. But in general, the relationship we have with the current board and the way we feel the club is going at the moment. We said in our statement at the end of the last season, we think the club's in, in good hands. We think it's uh, it's being run by the right people. But, you know, as I said, you only know what you know. Uh, from our perspective, that's what we think. We've been very happy with the support. Uh, that S94 have got from them. It's a, better, it's, a better, it's a better phrase. I don't mind, Chairman doesn't mind, Chairman um, is not used to it as much as I am, um, because I've been at different football clubs in different positions and and they're more uh, aggressive or, uh, there's, more, or there's more people. Um, there's, no, there's nothing wrong with anybody criticising it. And you put it better there, you use the phrase there that, a better phrase than I have used, you only know what you know. So people make a comment and they might they believe that completely. They're not being an idiot by saying it. They believe it completely. And you can't come on every time and say, no, that's not right, or we can't get this, or we can't do that. So I don't mind people criticising at all because that's just part of it. If you, haven't got, if you don't want criticism and don't work in football, to be honest, um, if it's unfair, it can pee you off sometimes. And if it's repeated or if it's the same person who just who's just a troll or negative all the time, then it can pee you off. But it's just part of the game, to be honest. I, I think you can't always tell everybody everything all the time at that time, at that moment, at that, you know, um, 
particular juncture. So I, I don't mind uh, stick. Uh, I think, you know, we've said to the guys, we've had really frank discussions with the guys because it's not, by the very nature of, a, of an ultras group, and that's what Section 94 is, it's our ultras group, but by the very nature of that, uh, sometimes people get a wee bit out of hand. Football is football, right? Football culture has all sorts of different facets. And there is our way, there's the way our away bus, which does a brilliant job. The travel club does a great job. There's certain people like to do that. Section 94, certain people like to do that. Um, it kind of all came together, I think, at the 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 pub in our broth was had a mix of everybody uh that night. And uh, for the for the playoff semi-final. And that was as that was as brilliant as experience as I've had in football in in that pub before that game. The it was just the optimism, the feeling that we were all together was just unbelievable. And I get goosebumps just now uh, thinking about it. So so we're all different. And as I say, people who have a go, it's fine. Uh it might be unwarranted, but it's fine. Um and as I say, you can't always, you know, everything's no perfect. I make mistakes, everybody makes mistakes, and uh, you, you hope that people realise you're all trying to go in the one direction. In any case, people are different. You don't have to go on with everybody. But we all want we all want to see the team the best it can be. But all you, all you guys are important. The reason, you know, we're on the call, everybody's important. Everyone's got a part to play because we all want to do the same thing. Okay, well said. Let's let's move on through the end of the section. I'm just going to run off these very quickly. Uh, after Andrew Young's going to tell us when is a gym not a gym? When it's a hangar, as Scott said. So I assume he's got a small aircraft in there. Yeah, we got on a couple of um, platforms. We got asked about the the gym building um, uh, specifically. How much was spent in it in the first place? Why is it now sitting unused? Is that something to do with planning permission? And is it going to be used? Is it going to be utilised in some way? This is brilliant. This one's a really good question. And I'll be really quick because I'm rambling. So um, it was it was uh, gifted to us. So it didn't cost us anything. It's the first thing. Uh, back at the beginning of the first podcast, one of the questions was, uh, was fans were rightly saying, can we move all that rubbish, all that kit out of the North Concourse? Um, because it was, uh, and we said, we'll do that as quick as we possibly can. Um, we had to do that for the, during the pandemic. Then we were getting the gym thing built. Um, uh, so the uh, why is it not getting used? It is every day in life now. There's gym equipment in there. Um, it's uh, So all our academy boys are coming and using that gym. With our partnership with Everlast, well, we have memberships for the first team. Um, but what we don't have is a membership for all our academy. And we have 105 boys uh, in our academy. And as you know now also, we have... Uh, uh, women uh, and girls uh, section as well. So the first thing we've done in the last couple of months is we've got uh, a, um, there is a set amount of kit in the hangar. It's not a Piper two-seat uh, propeller job. It looks like it could be a wee plane in there, but we have got weights and that's used by the first team during the day, those that are doing rehab, that are just doing weights, uh, they're in they're in there. Uh, it's all freestanding weights and small weights. It's all the racks 
looking at Stevie for some reason as if he's a weightlifter, right? But uh, lifting pints, Scott, but yeah, I'll take that. Right. So um it currently now is used and it's used by our academy. They come in the evening. Um, so they'll come and do a circuit. Uh, particularly the 18s will be doing circuits for INSing. Um, so there is equipment in there. Now our plan is uh, to put more equipment in there, um, but right now we can't afford it. So we have, it's all weights in there. Uh, it works really well. It's used uh, from eight in the morning um, to uh, about 2.30 in the afternoon. And then again, it's used uh, different evenings for different teams. Okay, in the interest of just moving this on to the next section, because I really want to move on to the next part, I'm just going to very quickly go through these four myself, okay, and just give us quick fire, quick answers, right? Uh, Jack Waddington on Twitter said, what's been done with the halftime catering queues? It uh, basically says they're too long. I would presume that's probably lack of staff, is it? It's it's a lack of staff, and uh, you've got 15 minutes. So if you go to the last minute, right, there's a queue at every football ground in the country at halftime because everyone has to go there. Uh, but we're suffering from lack of stuff as okay. well as that. Right. Um, Jen, uh, one of the sports trust was asking, uh, what are the thoughts of kids' Christmas parties? Um, I think it'd be a good idea. Staff is an issue. Okay. Well, Jen can talk to you about that offline, hopefully. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, yep. Jen. We're, we're happy to work with you on that one. The halftime draw, why is it intermittent? Um, it shouldn't be. Uh, the, the community trusts run that every week. So they might be missing, they might not be there when they're selling the tickets, but it is every single week in life, as far as I know. Jen, you were shooting your head at the half-time draw. Is that something you don't see? Um, I know you were shooting your head when Scott was saying it was happening every week. What's, yeah, what's it never happened last week. It was commented last week that um, on Saturday it didn't happen at all. We noticed right. the tickets for sale. It's the second time you've seen it in a couple, probably about six weeks. That's the, I, don't, I, I know it's as well, Scott, sorry, I'll let jump in, but I don't see every week. I mean, I'm not a pet every well, home it's game. The, but... the community, it's the community trust that run the half-time draw, right? It's not the club. Um, so they have to get volunteers. So I will I will ask the question, Jen. But they run it. Um, they take in they take in all the revenue. I, I will ask the question, but they run it. It's not the club that runs the halftime draw. Yeah. It's community trust. No, that's fine because I think it could be a good um, a fundraising opportunity as well for um, ourselves, Section Eight Four. You know, to look at something like that on match day. If they don't, if they don't have any anyone to kind of go and do it for them then, you know, I'm sure we can volunteer to take that funding. Yeah, yeah, and then then it could be a portion donated, yeah, for sure. Okay, and the final question for this section. Uh, On Twitter, Aldo1991 had a very simple question to ask. He said, where is Nessie? Um, So, Nessie, uh, we are are hoping uh, to have Nessie by the next match. Nessie, uh, the person who goes into Nessie's costume has to be PVG'd. Well, that, I mean, that could mean anything. You know. So for children, if you're going to work with children, um, yeah, it could mean, yeah, it's your mind. Um, <laughs> but, but if you're working with children, right, like a, like a, like a coach uh, for the boys or the girls teams, uh, you have to be uh, pass uh, clearance for that. So getting someone to do that um, who is also uh, can work with children um, has, been, has, has been a challenge. And, and, and the problem um, is that Ross Tokley, who would fit it perfectly, is just signed for Nairn. So, yes, well, um, that'd be one point. But that's that's we're hoping to have him back um, within weeks. Uh, PVG also doesn't take a week; it takes X weeks to get it. So even if you get somebody, um, and then if you're going to have two, if, you, if you're going to have say somebody doesn't turn up, and you need two 
you need two people who have passed the test um, for being able to have been allowed legally uh, to go near children and work with children, and that's what NACE does. I was just saying, how much does it pay? How much does it pay, Scott? I understand. You must be PBG, Jay. You I'm must PBG, be good for the job. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't pay anything. It's the honour of being <laughs> Lionel Nessie. Why? Why? Come on. So if there was a, if there was a school teacher, school teacher, or someone out there who's a Cali Thistle fan, and they wanted to do it, would would, would you welcome the the? I would welcome. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, there you go. So, someone, some lucky person out there. We want to see you as Lionel Messi, if we're still calling him that. Uh, let's move on to the next section, which is going to be the club infrastructure. You got no soul, you rubber bumpers. Spit that. Well, well, well. Let's move on to club infrastructure, not how permanent are the north and south stands, but Cali Thistle as a going concern. We'll, we'll kick off with you, Dan. What's your question? So this one's coming to me from Instagram. Uh, Scott, how are the club's finances coping post-COVID uh, now with the current financial burden that everyone is facing? Um, with great difficulty. Um, and the support of our suppliers who are giving us, you know, kind of extended credit lines um, because, it's, because it's tough. Um, but the board have supported us. Um, we've got some um, uh, some refinancing going right on with the board. Refinancing just means um, the goodness of their heart. They're putting in um, uh, some some revenues. There's no shares changing hand uh, or anything like that. Um, we don't have any bank debt um, because no bank will give us an overdraft. Uh, that's not just us. That's any football club, and barring maybe two maybe four at a push. Um, so, no, it's very difficult. It's a fair, it's a fair question. Um, we're managing. Um, we, we have the added uh, stresses and strains of the injured players and, and operations that cost thousands of pounds that players have been having to get. Um, and as, as we said, we're getting away supports that are the lowest that have ever been recorded um, for a season uh, so far. Uh, at uh, at the Caledonian Stadium as well, so that puts that puts a uh, pressure on us. But our season ticket numbers were up this year, which was brilliant. Um, we dropped our prices to try and make it not to encourage more people to come because I don't uh, I don't see dropping the price by two pounds is going to be someone that's well. I'm now I'm going to rush off to Cali Stadium. You're just trying to to do your bit with your support. Um, we're six pounds cheaper uh, than some of our rivals. And uh, so we've done our bit, but it's, it's, it's very hard. The Battery Farm um, and Red John cannot come soon enough for us. They are projects that are obviously ongoing, um, but these, these are the projects that will take the heat away from our current situation. But right now, yeah, it's a challenge. But those projects will take the heat away from the situation. The AY is hungry like the wolf to ask the next one. <laughs> Yeah, I, Scott, probably, Scott probably knows what's coming here. And th this is also about another potential source of income that it, we assume didn't really pay off. I think the last time um, we spoke to you, you were getting ready for the concerts, uh, the concert venture of the summer, um, and you were really sort of excited about that. But all the reports seem to suggest that they, you know, they weren't successful. Um, now, I've got quite, it's quite a kind of long question from BDU and Calipas Online, so I'll just kind of unpick it a wee bit. So he's asked, what was the sort of, what was the link between the concert company and the club, and how was the sort of 
venture plan so it would benefit the club short and long term and if it did indeed kind of fail then what can be drawn from it what lessons can be learned and um what are the implications for the club um the real implication of the club sort of financially and possibly even in terms of reputation i suppose that means you know attracting people in the future to um, I think I think it, I'll, I'll I'll go through that really quickly. Okay, the the we had uh, not long after I joined the club, we booked in we booked in two concerts with uh, Live Nation with DF Concerts, um, who are the biggest you know concert uh, promoters in the world. We had Westlife and Sir Tom Jones coming to the stadium. And Westlife sold out, and Tom Jones was on his way uh, to be the sellout. Uh, when the pandemic uh, hit in March 20. So both those concerts were going to be in the end of June 2020. Um, They were done, a really simple model. We rent the stadium to DF Concerts or whoever. Um, We rent the stadium to to, uh, the promoter. They put on the show. Um, We get a flat fee for renting the stadium and we get a fee for um, based on ticket sales, um, if they're sold through our platform and hospitality and bars, which obviously they're at our stadium, so you get a percentage of that. So you agree a percentage, right? Whatever that may be. We'll go into the, the confidentials of it, but that's straightforward. It's no pressure on you. If you don't sell a ticket, it doesn't matter to you. You get the same fee. Uh, you don't get the bar sales, but it doesn't matter to you. Um, after the those concerts were can't and, and the purpose of doing that, because we announced at the AGM that, that year, was that we need to get external revenue. It's clear that with our current fan base in the championship, we cannot produce a championship team that's challenging to go back into the premiership and, an, and a full-time academy. And uh, that's what the fans want, right? They want, uh, you know, our boys playing in our team. Uh, and they want us uh, at the top of the league and not down at the bottom of the league or, heaven forbid, in Division 1 or Division 2. So clear to us that we needed to, to use more of these types of events to bring more money in. And so it was it was deemed that a new company could be started uh, with seed capital um, from investors, not from the club, from investors, um, and but with a purpose of putting on a concert. And if those concerts were successful then the the revenue would go to uh, the football club. And if they weren't successful, it wouldn't affect the football club. So there was no conventional promoters looking to work for us, even though we were back on the map. And we were back on the map because we'd sold out a Westlife show, even though it didn't go ahead. It was proven then that you had an audience in Inverness and Highlands that could put on a big show. That was proven before with Rod Stewart and Elton John, but it was a few years ago. So we needed to... Westlife was doing that again. And what we were hoping that we'd then become an annual event and would be concerts every year. The, there was a number of challenges uh, with the production team that the concert company brought on board. That was not us. That was not our, we run football clubs. We don't run uh, concerts. So there was a number of challenges that, that happened with, with uh, those people. Um, uh, that's, that's ongoing between the concert company and the uh, uh, and then during that period, there was revenue from the concert company came into the football club because our staff were working on the concert, on different meetings and different events. And um, so there was revenue that came into the football club 
because we were hiring out the stadium to the concert company. The Bocelli show was super successful. That was numbers that were there or thereabouts that would be very, very good. 11,500, 11,800 was a very good attendance, especially for a classical music star in a football stadium, which he's never played apart from Leicester when they won the league. And But what we didn't get was the big numbers that we could have got had it been really well run by the people that the concert co brought in to run it. Um, and the Duran Duran was only added because you had all of the infrastructure that was being paid for for Friday night. Why would you just tuck it all away if you had a Saturday night right immediately after it? I mean, I think, you know, they're, they're obviously they, they were a huge, huge band in the 80s. It's a certain nostalgia market. But I don't think they're anywhere remotely like the same sort of draw as someone like Elton John or Rod Stewart, you know? And um, Well, see, Duran Duran get bigger crowds in London than, than Rod Stewart. So the following week, Duran Duran went and played in front of 60,000 people in Hyde Park, headlined it. So I think it's a subjective thing. In the end, we didn't get the gravy. Uh, it was extremely stressful because of the problems we had with the production team. It was also extremely stressful because um, if any of you had any involvement with weddings or events, um, you had two years, two two years of events were trying to be crammed into this summer. Has has the has the for want of a better term, has the failure of the concerts um affected relationships with creditors and suppliers? And will that affect the football club? Um maybe one one maybe one company who didn't uh, that we work with is 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 more um, unhappy, but everyone was pretty much paid um, from what I could see. I'm not concert company. I've not seen the books of concert company, but I saw the correspondence that was uh, going between because people were assuming it was us. Uh, and it was always an independent company. And we said that from the very beginning. We said it from the very beginning that if, um, the concerts were a success in one sense, but they were a failure for the concert company. Okay. You know, and there was there was people there was there was people who, the, and, and the newspapers do what the newspapers do. There was an article printed by someone who said he was due um, seven thousand pounds or something. He never worked a single day at the concert coming, and yet they took that and just ran that story. He didn't work a single day. He didn't do anything. He didn't do an hour's work. He didn't do, um, and yet that story just ran, and no one called us and said, "You know this guy." And the last question would be with that. We've already had promoters ask us about the venue because the venue, if you can put on one of the biggest stars in the world and sell 12,000 tickets, then you are viable at those prices. You are viable as a venue. Okay. Okay. Well, we'll leave that at that, but we will continue with uh, commercial uh, sensitivities and the club infrastructure. A number of interrelated questions from the trust, Jen. Yes, so um, mascot packages. Um, had a message through that somebody's been trying to get some prices and feedback on mascot packages um, for a period of time. And the question is around, is the lack of commercial director meaning that opportunities like this are being missed? Um, and what's the way forward for this? Um, yeah, the honest answer is yes at the moment, yeah. Um, we'll, there'll be a little gap before we can... Um, I don't want to just... Uh, 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 appoint somebody for the sake of having someone in that title. Uh, I picked Keith Haggart because he's absolutely was was an outstandingly experienced uh, commercial director um, at clubs that were larger than us, and um, 
but he had that a very common touch and he had a good connection to football and he understands uh, uh, the customer-client uh, relationship. So the in relation to getting someone else in, um, until we can do that, uh, then there might be some things that fall through the cracks and I apologise for that, but I don't think people realise how, how thin we are on the ground and and how difficult it is to get people. Remember, I had to get Keith Haggart to come from Dundee, to come from Dundee to be the commercial director of Inverness. That's why uh, Evelyn and I are at a job fair next week, because we have multiple positions to fill at, Cal at Caledonian Stadium, both part-time and full-time. Okay, so in that respect for positions at the football club, one of the questions was asked is, what is the purpose of the director of football role? The same as the purpose of a director of football role at every football club that has a director of football. Um, so uh, everyone seems to think it's a made-up position that only Cali Thistle have a director of football. Um, so your director of football is designed to... Uh, you want a director of football who's got the best contacts he could possibly have in the game um, because it's extraordinarily difficult to get good players uh, at the peak of their game up to Inverness um, and I think one of the one of the things for all the reasons won't, won't go into it because everybody should know all that. Um, one of the one of the things I found astonishing when I came to Inverness was John Robertson's ability to get really good players to come here for a wage that we could afford, and then they would move on some to somewhere else. It was a, it, apart from his coaching skills, which everyone can debate. I happen to think he was a brilliant coach. Um, but even if you didn't, I don't think anyone could. He was he was constantly unearthing hidden gems that would then do really well for us. And I thought it was his best skill, and and the skill that he doesn't that the fans don't see um, is obviously the financial package and what he's able to do to get people in for a number that we can't afford, and that number is not a high number, so. Um, when John had his issues um, that, are, that are well documented, um, we had a discussion as a board about how we treat people uh, going forward, how we treat human beings going forward. Once Neil had left, uh, John was still going through a process there. Um, so as, as, a, as a board, uh, as I say, of human beings, um, we were discussing and saying, right, well, obviously we, we're, we're duty-bound uh, to take care of our own, um, that only lasts for a certain period of time. Like every job, you, you you can only do that for a certain period of time. But one of the things we said, what is what is his what is his biggest skill? Is it's all of his experience. He's a fantastic ambassador, um, and his contacts are just second to none, and they remain second to none at the football club. Um, so his purpose is to do all the things that a sporting director does, um, but probably. What you don't do is you don't give people three or four or five different names because a sporting director wouldn't normally be sourcing a new stand for Section 94. Um, but you don't put that out there and say, John Robertson is also working on this because he's also got experience in projects with fabrication uh, of a one entire corner of Tynecastle, by the way, uh, that cost uh, hundreds of thousands of pounds. So you don't say, well, he's also doing that um, 
By the way, I think it's a fair question. So I'm not I'm not being defensive. I think it's a fair question. When you get an injury list like we've just had and you require a guy to use his contacts, length and breadth of the country and some um, abroad, although it's more difficult at this period when it's outside of a window, um, is to try and find co- players that are on a free contract that we could sign right now. Because if we got another three injuries at the weekend, um, so he's been working on that. Um and uh, because we might uh, be in a situation where we get to January, we might we might be playing sixteen year old boys. Uh, we obviously can't face that. So the sporting director uh, does that. He will go and do match reports. So he's been, I think, three of the last four matches. Uh, he's been doing reports on the opposition. So he was away down watching Hamilton, and uh, he was away down watching Dundee. He was away watching Cove. Um, so he'll do all those reports, work with Billy. He has an ambassadorial role uh, too. But probably the biggest thing he's been working on for the last year is the community hub because he's leading that. So he it was his idea. Um, it was his concept at the beginning. Um, he introduced me into the concept and I was going, really? It took me, we walked, we drove into the car park at Rollerball, Jen, uh, Walked up the wee verge there to the fence. We heard, you know, they peered through, and John was saying, "See that there? If we could get that. That's ten acres. If we could get that, that'd be unbelievable for us, for academy, for our girls, for our trust." So he's been driving that. He's been in, he's been in all the meetings with Sport Scotland, where we're looking to achieve uh, grants of six figures. He's been in all the meetings with the SFA. I've not. He has. All the meetings with the SFA, we're looking to achieve grants of six figures. Um, so he does a multitude of things. Um, it, it's a really fair question because if he was just the director of football, then Inverness Cali couldn't afford him. Um, but if he takes on the jobs of three or four or five other things, then it's a different thing entirely. And 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 I and I think it's perhaps uh, our fault or my fault for not coming out and saying here are all the things he does. Because it's allowed people to say, what does he do? Okay, uh, right, we'll come up next, team. For McDonald, up the castle, Liverness men, Weechies, Hustle, Jenny Heavers, CCTV, BT's Pizzas, Judas, Teddy, Farland Park, the Library, Spectrum Centre, Molly Story, Cali Thistle, the Golden Mile, Musicate Centre, Matalan. Okay, let's move on to, to, I mean, we've on this podcast, I think, once I've edited, we've probably been on for over an hour at least already. Let's move on to matters, finally, of a football nature. Mr Young. Yeah, so one of the questions we've had, again, from a few people uh, on CPO um, was about, given the fact that, you know, we've got our kind of extending tenure in the championship, you know, kind of five, six seasons and counting, how long can the kind of current level of squad investment continue? Is it foreseen that at some point you're going to have to cut the playing budget again? Or do you think you can kind of, you know, sustain that? If we didn't have Red John and we didn't have the battery fund, then absolutely it'd have to be cut. Like as quickly as it could be cut. Because it would it would not be feasible unless someone else came in and said, I'm going to put in between five and eight hundred thousand pounds a year um to keep uh to keep things at the current rate. So that's it's a straightforward if we don't if we don't there are other things on top of Red John and on top of Intelligent Land, but as they have not at that 
they're not at the tickly bit yet, then I can't go into them. But we require that amount of, of external investment for us to be competitive, uh, good enough to get to, to win the league or to get promoted and and not uh, to lose money. So that and, and and you listen, a run in the cup can make a difference, you know. A run well the Scottish Cup, not any other cup, but a run in the Scottish <laughs> Cup would make it would make a difference. When that money really starts to come in, do you envisage possibly even increasing the budget for next season, or is that um, is that over optimistic? Well, what what are we? We're a football club, yeah. So, and we want to give our fans what what the best possible experience and the best possible team. So, but there's a balance there between um, if if we achieve what we. Uh, are trying to achieve. The balance is that you set the club up uh, in perpetuity so that you you invest properly uh, within the infrastructure uh, externally that keeps a churn of revenue into you. And that but that it also allows you to increase the uh, the budget to the manager to give them that little bit of quality to get out of this division. And also you invest the money to give the fans a better experience. So but but we can't forget that we're a football club and we're, we've got to be the best we can be. But what, the opposite of that is you piss it up against the wall and uh, you're buying a whole load of guys that you can't afford in two years' time. So it's a balance. So it's got to be well run, um, but make, just get us out of this damn division, right? Yeah. So that's our... Uh, uh, but not bust us by doing it. Stevie, are you still with us? Um, yeah, no, um, Instagram, Scott, so I'm going to get you to put your Billy Dodds uh, three-quarter lens Puma jacket on here with some football-related questions. Um, which positions, in your opinion, need strengthening in January? I know we've got massive injuries, so you're hoping current boys coming back, but if you could strengthen out with the current team, what would be your positions and why? I think uh, it all depends on the injuries. I mean, I think we need, we said at the beginning, we targeted, we thought we did well in the summer. We thought we targeted the areas that we we needed to target. Um, I think some I think some supporters would disagree with that, Scott. But it's possible. No, that, uh, that's okay. That's it's football. That's okay. But we targeted the areas um, that we thought we needed strengthening. Um, we thought we strengthened them. It doesn't always work out, Andrew. It doesn't what you know. There's plenty. There's plenty of teams bringing players. They think they're the very ticket. And then they maybe turn out that they're not. So that can happen in football. And and also loads of fans. I've got different opinions from John Robertson on players in our team. I've got different opinions from Billy Dodds on players in our teams. And we regularly have um, not ding-dong battles about it, just to be uh, topical with Les Phillips. But we'll have, we will have right, you know, full and frank discussions. Um Look, you always need goals, right? You always need goals. So you're, look, you're thinking, right, we need more goals. You can never get enough goals. Uh, and you want to shut up shop uh, at the back and you want more creativity. So there's, there's probably, we'd look at all three areas. Um, if all of our wingers were fit on the 1st of January, would we be looking to bring in another winger? Maybe, maybe, maybe one, but maybe not. You know, it's, it's a, that one you could talk about all night because it, because you sign players and sometimes it works. Sometimes it takes longer as well. 
I've been at clubs where there's been players that, you know, for the first three, four, five months, they've been an absolute disaster. And then all of a sudden, they became something else. That happens too. People are travelling a long way, or they're settling up here, or they're on their own, or they have a girlfriend, or they fell out with a girlfriend, they don't have a wife, or they fell out with their wife, um, or they miss their kids. Or they miss... There's all sorts of reasons why some people don't do well in their next. Our intention is to do exactly what we did last season and would be to improve in January. That would be our intention, but I couldn't say there, there, and there. But our intention would be to improve for a budget that we could afford. Um, Dan, you know, Dan, and, and then Dan, have a let's, uh, let's bring you in here, Dan. I've not heard from you for a little bit. What's what's the the young team's opinion on on some of the signings, and and where would you? Where, what's the general opinion of where you would like to see us strengthen in the areas that that, that you think we require? Uh, Look, I'll, I'll not necessarily be able to give an opinion uh, for everyone in the session, obviously. Personally, uh, I was quite happy with the window. And um, I think without the injuries that we have had, and that's not just this season, that's at the end of the playoff campaign. Uh, that we ended up obviously with Shane Sutherland and Tom Walsh injured. Without those injuries, I think we'd be comfortably at the top of the league. I think that's the main problem with the squad at the moment is the fact they're injured. It's not, I think that's what the lack of form is, rather. It's not uh, the players we have, it's the players we have that aren't getting on the park because they're knackered, they're finished. So, personally, I was very happy with the window. Uh, the players that have come in have looked good for the most part, but there is a, a problem position that I can, can identify, and I think a lot of people say, uh, can you explain why we haven't signed a right-back since Sean Rooney? Well, we did because we signed Wallace Duffy. Uh, who's a right back, right? It was a right back at St Johnston who can play right centre half because Duffy was signed to replace Rooney. Right? Make no make no bones about that. Was Duffy was his big athletic boy, good age, uh, came through uh, Rangers and Celtic uh, academies, um, uh, very very highly thought of. A lot of people would argue whether Rooney was a good right back or not, and I'm, I'm and I love Rooney, but you know what I mean. He's not your conventional, you know. Some days Sean was unbelievable. Some days you could just open the door and he would just gallop at the door, or he'd be foaming at the mouth at a referee. Stevie, you're um, gonna take you're gonna take that. You you just, you, you love him. I'm looking I'll, at I'll, him exactly. I'll, yeah, I'll, he's I'll the man. Tonight, he's, yeah. hugging he's hugging him when we're all broken hearted. He's hugging him. Ah, yeah, I remember that. Jersey and oh, I'll Sean, get, okay. we're going to miss you. Listen, I need my Fleetwood comps there, Scott, but I'll get him to phone you tonight. But no, I get your point. I know what you mean, though. Yeah, but but Sean, no, Sean, Sean deserves everything he gets. He worked very hard. Uh, thanks to Inverness, he deserves everything he gets. Thanks to John Robertson, he deserves everything he gets. Mm -hmm. uh, and I love Sean and I loved his family. I attended his, uh, I went all the way down to Glasgow, I attended his mum's funeral, uh, and his family were amazing. And uh, so I'm kidding on about Sean, but the argument about a player, a right back. So we did sign, we signed Wallace Duffy. Wallace had uh, injuries and then we had injuries inside, so he had to come inside occasionally and play centre-half. When Neil came in, uh, because injured, Neil put Davy Carson at right-back. Um, there was loads of people. You know, Davy wasn't uh, thinking he's a right-back. Um, on any given day, he might tell you he's not a right-back. Um, but he stepped up and just stepped into the to the position. Um, but he's not a traditional right-back. And he was, you were taking a lad who'd been a midfielder all these days, Played 60-odd matches for Blackburn, captain of Blackburn under 23s in the midfield. And then you say, now, now you're a right-back. 
Neil Solomon's a right back and no midfielder. Uh, Billy sees him as both. Um, if Wallace is fit um, and doesn't have to play uh, inside because we've had so many injuries during the season because Max Ram could come in. Max Ram was 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 a right centre half, right back. That's what he played in his academy. So you're thinking, and Max Ram gets injured after 15 minutes against Kelty. Um, Wallace has been in and out, fortunately, but has had to cover in at centre half. Now with Max Ram, who's just coming back in. Davey then has to go there. There's been games, I know for a, a certainty, that Davey has been going back into midfield, but because of injury, he's had to, he's had to fill in at right back. So right back could be absolutely one of these positions that we're going to uh, look at because Davey's so um, flexible. Um, you know, he can play centre mid, right mid, right back. Uh, he's going to give you his all no matter what he does in any case and, and he very rarely lets you down. If we signed another right back, that would give us more flexibility. So that maybe goes back to Stevie's point. I don't think it's a problem um, position but I think it's a fair point to say, you know, we've not had a steady, designated, dedicated right back because Davy has to cover different things, different horses for courses. Okay, fair point. The, fair point. Fair point. Fair point. Is my thing. Don't shoot the messenger. This has come up a few times <laughs> on various platforms. So I was wondering I'm, how you're going to get free. Sean Rooney <laughs> really just text them this. Ah, well, listen, you're, you're dead to Sean now, so um, he's off. You're off the Christmas card list. I'm he's not going to be there. left. <laughs> I'll tell him. Right, don't shoot the messenger because um, I'm the one that's put my arse in the line for this one. But what's your thoughts on the, and it's been well publicised whether you want to comment or not on the, the Ridgers Dodds incident at Greenock last week? Any thoughts on it that you can comment on? I can't comment on it. I, I was hoping you would ask Billy that. No, no, I was hoping that was for the No, I was hoping but... you would. Billy was going to answer the question. I'm not going to answer for Billy. Mm-hmm. I think it's been dealt with. Uh, and Billy and uh, Mark are fighting and uh, I know what happened and Billy was going to answer and nobody an- nobody asked him. Yeah, we all shot ourselves, so apologies, Billy. All right, Honestly, okay. I, he came down and I says, so what, you know, I, I said what I said. Nobody asked. I said, just, just for the listeners, you guys are referring to the press conference, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah sorry, press conference yesterday, uh, today. Yes, no, it was la- no, last, last week. week. Yeah, last yeah. week. Nobody asked the question. And nobody's asked since then. So I'm not going to answer because it's between Billy and uh, Mark. Mm-hmm. But if you ask Billy, he'll say. As chief executive, I'm not going to say this is what happened between Billy and Mark. Well, we've mm-hmm. got we've got um, local football reporter extraordinaire Paul Chop coming on the next podcast. So we'll ask him, you know, why, he's him. Not, why he's not well, asking the tough questions. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Why is Riley not asking the tough questions, right? Well, Riley's not paid Exactly. Injuries, Jen. Um, okay, questions came in. There's this is a kind of two-parter. So, is uh, is there a reason for similar injuries, i.e., in training, and why was Dee's not stretchered off? Great. Two good questions. Um, the the, the none of the injuries are similar. All the injuries have been impact. Um, if you if you go through them, right. Um, I'm so bloody well versed on them because I, I, I speak every day with uh, Dan Cluett, uh, our physio. Um, so if we started from Dan Mackay, Dan Mackay stood on the ball. Uh, I'm just starting furthest away from me, right? Dan Mackay stood on the ball 
and 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 that's how that's how Dan got his injury. The week before, Danny Devine, uh, or maybe two weeks before, Danny Devine at Air United uh, was uh, Air United player fell on his side of his knee. Dan uh, Austin Samuels at Dens Park, um, Austin, Austin um, uh, kicks a ball and gets gets an injury, which is the rarest of all of the ones that our boys have. Austin has the rarest injury, which which we rehab, we think it's absolutely fine. He gets his MRI, right? Okay, we know what to do. And then the 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 and that was and that was an impact injury at Morton with the ball, not with a player. It was the ball, and and the ball came at him. And it's you know if you if you kicked at your foot and you're not expecting it, and your foot can go, that can also happen in relation to your knee, right? So it was it was it was an impact of the ball that gave him an extremely rare uh, injury. Uh, Scotty Allardyce, Scotty Allardyce did his quad, um, so it's a tear of his quad uh, muscle. Um, that wasn't that uh, wasn't done in training. He was carrying that. He was playing through it because if it's if it's a grade one, you can you can manage it. Um, and we were uh, really shocked uh, when we found out it was a grade four, um, which he didn't feel. He didn't feel he wasn't complaining of pain in relation to that. And then a grade four, that's the worst. One's the best. Gen four's the worst. Again, that was a play that was playing. Uh, Sean Welsh was Sean Welsh. Uh, his his uh, injury came in the dressing room. His knee locked when he was warming up, um, you know, on the, the rolls that they have. And so his knee locked, which was, I've never seen that happen. Roddy, uh, you all saw what happened with Roddy at mm-hmm. Cove on the pitch. Yep. And, you know, he's running through. I thought he was outstanding that match up until it was his ball that goes for the goal. The guy just barely trips him. Just, he trips him. He's not meant to hurt him. He's barely tripped him. His foot catches and 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 effectively dislocates his ankle. Mm-hmm. Um, he goes he goes to more uh, Morton match. Uh, Stevie Boyd uh, gets injured. He ends up in Rigmore that night. We thought it was his metatarsal. Uh, fortunately, it wasn't. It was badly bruised uh, on the foot. Lewis Hyde had a similar one on the pitch that night. Davy Carson uh, really bad calf strain at Morton. Um, passes a fitness test last Saturday morning. He's in the stadium, so there's no training injuries. But it's fair to ask. People always think, um, but it's none of them have happened on the training pitch, which is really unusual because you normally get half your injuries in a match. Mm-hmm. But it's also affected us because half the half the week's training now they don't play matches because we dare not. So they're really just stretching the legs, spin classes, and doing all sorts of things because we dare not have a full contact game. In case what you just said there happens, with regards to, with regards to Robbie D's again, excellent question. And there was a, there was a meeting today. Um, so uh, the, the the main reason uh, for for Robbie D's was Robbie D's. Robbie said it was all right, right? Robbie said it was all right when Dan got out to Robbie, which wasn't he far for the dugout, as you know. You know, it was between the D and the when he got out to him. He was speaking to um, the referee, and Robbie was cracking up the referee, saying he should, he's done me yet. He, you know, he should have got cut. So when Dan gets to him, that's what he said. So Dan's thinking, right, he's okay. He doesn't seem to be that bad because he's he's sitting on the ground. He's saying to the referee, that's an absolute disgrace. He should he should get cut. Not in those exact words. Dan says we'll get the we'll get the stretcher on. 
Robbie Dees immediately jumps up. No, 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 I don't need a stretcher. Don't need a stretcher. I'm the same as you. I'm at the end of the match. I am fuming. I'm like, where were the stretcher bearers? Right? Because as he comes off, he doesn't collapse the first step. He actually goes like four steps and then his, his leg buckles and there's this gasp goes up from me as much as everybody else, I think, because you're thinking, has he broken? And again, he gets up and he goes, no, I'm fine, I'm fine. And goes off the pitch. We knew immediately when he came off, we're like, because you can tell, right? It looks like a break. So we had a meeting today to see uh, with our all of our medical staff to go, there was multiple things going on there. You know, there's multiple things. It wasn't really just as straightforward. Um, but I asked the same question. Why was he not carried off? And I'm saying, I always want to err on the cautious side because you never know what's, what's happened to a player because more damage could be done. Fortunately, it wasn't. It was a clean break and it was broken at that point, but it could have been worse. So we had a meeting that means that no player, if 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 our physio and we're going, no, you're on a stretcher, that's it. You're no captain brave. You didn't get up and try and, you know, and say to the physio, I'm okay. You, t- you say right away, no sure. Right, you're on a stretcher, we'll get you off. But it's a fair point. Again, it's a good question. But you can't always come out and say all of that, you know, at that time. Okay, I got I got all these questions here, Scott. So Sandy <laughs> Sutherland on uh, Twitter has uh, kindly uh, threw me under the bus here, but anyway, our home form is abysmal. He quotes, um, "Our overall form shows no one in five can't score, several key players out with injuries, and now an evident internal issue between management and players is glaringly obvious. Is there any genuine concern filtering upstairs?" Um, so our home form has to has to get better. Yeah, if we're going to get out of this division this season which is the plan, our home form has to get better. And one way of looking at our season would be to say our home form's abysmal. Sandy could have said our away form has been, up to Morton has been unbelievable. But I get that. He's making a point. The home form is not good enough. And uh, Billy thinks that as well. So we all think that. Uh, the second point um, about the injuries, that's one of the reasons why our home form uh, is abysmal or has not been good enough. Um, because um, you have to play, you play a different, teams come and play us differently at home from the way they do when they're at home. Um, so, and if you don't have all your full complement of all your creative players um, uh, to make a difference, um, because we haven't been hammered at home, we've lost some stupid, um, poor uh, single goals at home, right? So, uh the two gubbings we've had have been away from home. Um, so teams don't come to us and, and do that to us at home, but we've not been scoring and creating. So we believe that once we get our creative players back, or should we be able to bring in uh, a free uh, a contract player, that might uh, help us. Um, but player teams play differently. Sandy's a football fan, he knows that. You don't play the same home and away, unless you're Manchester City. Um, so but I take his point, we must do better at home. Um, I completely uh, refute his problem about the players. We have a brilliant uh, spirit in the squad. Best best you'll see anywhere. All our players live in Inverness, apart from the two Avi Moore boys, who are Irish anyway and, and you know are, are a bit weird sometimes. <laughs> um, uh, apart from them, 
because we have other Irish boys in the squad who, who live in Aviemore, obviously, uh, live in Inverness. We have a brilliant spirit in the squad. So I just refute that. It just doesn't exist. It's, uh, I, I don't even know where he gets it. One, one um, situation uh, with, with one player, which was sorted out within two days, isn't it what he just described? I don't recognise it because it's just not the case. Um, but we need to do... We need, we need to win, start winning at home. Okay, let's, right, just- let's, uh, let's round up the, the podcast now with a few bits and pieces that we haven't covered. Uh, Dan... There was mention of a of a of a little Irish chap there. Yeah, bringing me nicely. And this is a nicer question, Scott. I'm glad I've got this one. Uh, will there be a testimonial game for Aaron Doran? I know there was one planned for Ryan Essen that obviously COVID kind of curtailed. Um, so somebody has come to me and asking, will there still be a testimonial game for Aaron Doran? We we have tried. We have we have had to call one off because of our injury situation. So we had one that was that was scheduled for uh, it was penciled in for this month, right? We've not got a team, you know. We can't we can't play a testimonial and we're, we're, when we're when we're so stretched. Um, so we're now working on a second date, um, but the, the so the answer the answer is we're extremely hopeful. We'll, we will. Uh, and I think it's more likely than not that we will have a testimonial match for Aaron. But we had to, the one that we had scheduled, you can't you can't play a testimonial when you're you've got twelve players. Are you able to tell us who that was going to be against? Uh, no, because it will spoil it if they <laughs> then can come back to us because we're trying to keep it with them. Okay. Yeah. So it would be a big it'd be a big club. Okay. It's not anybody local. And I don't mean that they're not a big club before anybody says that. I'm just saying. <laughs> Well, they're not a better club. Well, they're not. <laughs> yeah, you, you could say that. I can't say that. It's a big <laughs> uh, Dan, what a question for you. Fair on. Has anyone ever told you that you sound like a young Charlie Christie? Uh, no, but I can see it. I don't play like <laughs> a young Charlie Christie. I wish I did. Dan's actually got his camera off, so it could even be Charlie, not <laughs> a, a, a legitimate son of Charlie Christie. Section 94 has been Charlie Christie's front this whole time. There you go. <laughs> the Queen's Park game on Saturday, there was a comment around the lunchtime kickoff not being suitable because the team would have to leave early. Um, we've done lunchtime kickoffs before, so the question is why was it unsuitable at this time? We've done them before because we were forced to. Mm-hmm. Right? We've never chosen to do it. It would give the other team, uh, absolutely give the other team a competitive advantage. So if somebody wants our players to get up at five in the morning um, to go and play one of our competitors, um, they're not thinking properly about uh, giving our boys the best chance because um, that's what time they'd have to get up to get to get there in order to to get down the road in, in enough time to get a pre-match uh, done and then to be at the ground 90 minutes before, which is what the rules state. You've got to be at the ground 90 minutes before. It's the reason why we can't play early kickoffs. Um, the only way uh, that that could have happened was if uh, Queen's Park were offering to pay for our overnight stay, which is three, three and a half thousand pounds. It's what you're get, roughly getting charged just now for an overnight stay. But I'm not going to say to our team that we're getting up at five in the morning to go and play when they're just getting up at. 10 o'clock and just trotting along the ground 
um, well refreshed, well rested, um, and our boys have been on a bus uh, as well as getting up at five in, in the middle of the night. Because you know when you go to your bed as well, we're all the same. You don't know if you've got to get up at five. You don't sleep, you know, because you're if you're going on holiday or if you're going somewhere. You don't sleep the same. So uh, that was that was the logic behind it. We it wasn't our choice. We said in our statement. Um, but Queen's Park sharing the ground with two other teams. Uh, and 5.30, the two and a half hour delay, so it was a two and a half hour delay, was was deemed by us to be the best solution. If we'd have gone to Sunday, because I don't think it's said in the statement, if we'd have moved to Sunday, I don't think Sunday's good for transport in Scotland in any case. I don't think Sunday's very good. I think Sunday's pretty much a family day. Um but we're playing Air United the following week. And had we played Sunday, um, then it would have meant that the next day, players would have had to be off on Monday. It would have completely thrown our uh, preparations uh, for the week for Air United. So we would have been coming in on Tuesday, another day closer, and these things matter. Uh, it wasn't the ideal. Um, we give a real serious, honest explanation. It could have been worse. We could have been forced to do something because the league could have said, you have to, if we didn't agree with something. And so we thought that that was the best of all worlds. And also we were trying to be sympathetic to Queen's Park's situation. As I said, as I would hope, somebody would be sympathetic to us. Okay, I guess the other part of that was, um, what was the rationale behind them not telling us until 11 days before the game that this was going to get rescheduled? I think... What they were trying to do was they were trying everything they could at their end to get the other games moved. So there's three different teams involved there. So I think they were trying to get the other games moved. And when I say three different teams, I'm talking about Queen's Park, Syngenta, and the team that Syngenta were playing. So I kind of a more positive one, a slightly more personal one. This is from Ewan McLean on Twitter. He says, what were your aspirations and goals when you first joined the club? And do you think you've met them? And if so... What's your next set of aspirations or goals? The, the, I had no aspirations um, because the goal was from the chairman that we were in trouble. Um, we were losing a million pounds a year. So I didn't have any aspirations at that stage. The chairman said, um, we just need to steady the ship. And um, so that was the, so that you, and I don't call steadying the ship an aspiration. The goal was to steady the ship. I think we we did that in the main. We've done that in the main. Um, because we're not losing a million pounds a year. Um, so I think we've done that. And we've also done that because of the actions we've taken in relation to intelligent land. Um, we managed to guide the club through the pandemic. My aspirations now is to is to is to get to the Premier League uh, by winning the league. Right, so my goals, my goals was to steady the ship. I think we've we've done it to a degree. I think we've had real challenges with uh, current as I say, with the drop-off of supporters and uh, away supporters and uh, the numbers uh, going against us cost of living-wise. But I think we're nearly there. Um, and once our intelligent land projects and the other projects come through, the, the ship will be absolutely solid. My aspiration for being an Inverness is, to, is to, win, to win this league, to get us out of this championship one way or the other. I'd rather get us out with a flag, um, but if not, 
Just we just need to get out of this division. I hate it. Brilliant no. for the brutals. I hate it. I think we're all getting a bit sick of it. I've been a bit of a change bigger, Scott. So this comes through on Instagram. Um, a couple of people mentioned this one, and uh, it's quite it resonates with most of the people in this uh, pod. Well, three of us. Would the club help in subsidising central belt fans uh, with a bus or travel? Um, lots of fans <laughs> central belt either go up alone. No chance. <laughs> Let me ask the question. Then keep shipping in. Right, so a lot of fans either travel up alone or don't know a lot of central belt based fans, so don't go to games. So this would obviously create more of a match atmosphere and uh, maybe get some more football through the door. So thanks in advance. I think I think no, I think charity begins at home. And but we've been asked this by the travel club. I think about in twenty twenty one, the travel club was going down to Queens and the bus was going up in price because I've got an email from Isabel, I think it was, saying could we make some sort of contribution? We couldn't afford to do it. So the whole point of staging the ship would be that we have enough revenue and that we that the city supports us um with uh you know, our aspirations around our, our external projects, that would allow us to do that. Right now, Stevie, I I, I just have to keep the operation going. But I think it's a dec- I think it's a reasonable suggestion. Um because charity should uh, for me, we should look after the people who are trying to look after us, our supporters. Mm-hmm. I think maybe that's something, is, that, like uh, charity. something that the Winey Shuffle might have to pick up on with our our new range of merchandise that we're uh, going to be uh, releasing soon, and then uh, well, I think you should. I think you should be contributing all that money to Section Ninety Four's uh, roof, uh, and then I will see that you've been so altruistic that I will then look at something else. Can we call the Wine and Shuffle totally Stand. Can we, can we get a name to our stand? We'll, we'll happily contribute. It depends what you contribute. Yeah, could well, be a supporters trust. Could be supporters trust stand. I, I'm open to whoever puts in the most. Their names should be on something, which is another whole other fundraising thing. But we'll, um, two seats, Scott. we'll take two seats, I'll do us. Um so no, so I, listen, I, I think once we can once we can afford things, then these are the things we can do. It's like the community trust. We we want them to do as much good work as possible. So if we're going to deliver 70 Christmas dinners this year or whatever it is, it's going to be. I wish we could deliver a hundred. Right, but if we can only afford seventy, that's all we can do. But if we can get the club really rock solid and everybody contributing, and you know, Graham Bennett coming on board, I, I think is hopefully going to be great for us because Graham, yep. Graham has something I don't have. Uh, well, he's got a lot of things I don't have. Better windies uh, for a start. Um, fantastic gear for a man of his age. Well, I was sitting behind him on Saturday. I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> But I never, but I never sit behind me. So you know, what do I know? Um, but I think um, Graham's got you know phenomenal respect in the city as 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 being part of the club. But he's he's business wise, he has tremendous contacts, and I don't have that. I, I've got we've worked really hard politically, so we're we're on first name terms and good speaking terms, and we're helping. You know all the senior people, and whether it's MSPs and MPs and and the chief executives and everything. But business wise, Graham's Inverness, you know, through and through, and he, I think he's going to make a big difference to us. Um, but it's only so. So it would be no, we couldn't do it right now, Stevie. But I hope we could sometime. All right. Last one from Twitter, Aldo nineteen ninety one says. 
fans not based in Inverness or Scotland, can the club maybe provide a radio service on the website since we can't have a live stream anymore? Or can the guys at the Wine and Shuffle get involved with that? And we didn't ask them to ask that question. That was from him. But is that something maybe a radio service? Could that be an option? I, I, I think I'd be open to speaking to uh, yourselves about that. Um, we, we need to do it on some sort of voluntary basis because we don't have the cash um, to to do it. We certainly get no we certainly get shortchanged on national media. You know, we get no coverage at all. It's it's mm-hmm. it's it's embarrassing, I think, with regards to match coverage, I'm talking about match coverage. Um so we should fix that. But again, unless someone can come to me and say, listen, we're we're willing to do this. Um mm-hmm and volunteer for this, I can facilitate it. If someone said I want to do it, um, I can facilitate it. I'm happy to do that. I'm thin on the ground right now, so somebody would need to... So I'm open to it, is the answer. Okay, I'm off to send the plan over. Okay, no worries. Just Scott. Thanks, Scott. Um, thanks again. I think it was the third time I think you've been on with us. Um, Patrick, yes, the ball, yeah. yeah you've answered, I think you've, you've answered everything that's been put to you. I hope that Jen and Dan are, and every, everyone involved with their groups are satisfied with the answers. And um, have you enjoyed it? Tonight? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Life in general. <laughs> well, I, I, should have been st- I should have been 10 feet from Robert Plant right now. But uh, yes, I've enjoyed it. I think as a club, we're a small club um, with a history. The club's punched way above its weight, um, relatively speaking. We're, we're entering into a kind of new era right now which I hope will, will then give us uh, the the funding and the foundations to to take us uh, onwards. But we need to stick together. And um, I get snarky a lot of time because I'm tired, because we're doing a lot of hours and, and I'm tired and I'm frustrated because I can't get us where we need to get to quickly enough. But I've got 100% faith in Billy, 100% faith in the team. Board are, you know, are, uh, back us all the time. Ross, is, the chairman, is you know, sensational. He'd, he'd lie in the road for this club. He'd lie in the road uh, in front of anything for this club. So we, we're having a tough, we're having a tough uh, time. And we've lost some, a couple of key people. And that affects us more than it would affect uh, a bigger business. And, and so if we can all stick together to do this, and even if we can't do this, uh, come in and speak. And um, Because it's not for the lack of trying. And we don't get everything right, I know that. But there's, most of the time there's good reason why we can't do what we, what I'd love to be able to do. I'd love to be able to turn you know, the stadium into something better and turn the experience into something better. Right now when we're you know, tested financially. Um, it's going to be fine in the end. We just need everybody to stick together. I don't mean sycophantically, because give me the stick, give me the abuse. We can speak about all positions and uh, I, I don't mind it. I genuinely don't mind it, because I know everybody's doing it from the right place. Online, they're not, because online people sometimes are just negative because they are. And if you look at the rest of their posts, they're negative about something or other all the time. Uh, so that that always kind of gets me past it. Constructive criticism, debate is really good. It's healthy because we, see, we only moved the gym stuff because I didn't realise I wasn't thinking it was 
peeing people off or so once you guys said it, said that, said, look, do this in a, after the quarter. It was your suggestion. Have the other guys on. Brilliant. We speak to Section 94. So we want to cut everybody slack and do, and do everything. It's your club. It's not my club. It's your club. You know, I'm just here to try and do, make us the best we can be. Top Thanks. Thanks, Thanks, Scott. Well, um, I appreciate it. Thanks, everybody, for listening in. Thanks to Stevie and AY as usual. Thanks to Jennifer and Dan. We'll have you guys on again. Uh, thanks to everybody who provided us questions and topics and to Scott for taking the time to answer them as, as fulsome as he could. Um, we've got another pod out very soon. It might even be, be out right now, depending on when you're listening to this. Um, until then, everybody, everybody, take your mics off mute and say bye-bye to everyone. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Until then, Scott is off for a lie down in a dark room. Take care of yourself and each other and bye for now. Yep, yep.